Utah, give me two. And here we go. Thundercats! Can't be too careful with all those weirdos around. <laughs> you Greenpeace types are pacifists, aren't you? If it bleeds, we can kill it. Klopek. What is that, Slavic? No. About a nine on the tension scale, rope. This is a little bell I ring when someone's being a total ass. You son of a bitch. You no good. good to go we got the baby boy put down for the nap he's out the winds are blowing who's a knowing who's calling who's knocking welcome to comic cons a geek podcast for the rest of us who are the rest of us my name is nick stevens but in a way aren't we all nick stevens and look thanks for listening to the show dude man dude bro Man, dude, I have been a having a hard time. I, I have been having a hard time uh, watching stuff lately, staying with stuff, you know, just staying focused on one thing, watching one thing, or just sticking to a show or a movie like five, 10 minutes in. I'm watching, I'm kind of in it, you know, I'm, I'm wading into the waters, and then all of a sudden I'm like, nope, get me out. I want nothing to do with any of this, you know, next, you know, and there's so much content out there. So maybe that's part of the problem, whether it's Netflix or Amazon or Hulu or what have you, but there's just so much. And I either lose interest or I just can't stay with it for what, for some reason, you know, I talked about it before with like the Punisher season and recently I tried to watch that movie Polar on Netflix, you know, that's based off a graphic novel, very much like Sin City. Uh, but the movie, not so much. It was like very stylized and it felt like overtly stylized. And even though I like that main guy, like Mads Mikkelsen or whatever, he just looks like he's eternally killing people. Like he just, he looks like he's killing people in real life. Like his face just looks like, like, yeah, yeah, I've killed people with my bare hands. He's a great actor. You know I mean? I loved him in Rogue One. I've loved him in other things <laughs> he's been great in, but I just couldn't stick with it, you know? And there was like another Anthony Mackie sci-fi movie on there, you know, Io or something about the end of the world. Great. Fantastic. I'm getting older. You know what I mean? Maybe that's what it is. You know, I tried watching like the new animated series, the Batman animated series dropped on DC Universe or something. And that Young Justice show that I was looking forward to, like for eons, finally came out. I can't even stick with that. Like, like am I finally getting too old to watch cartoons? You know, this is, this is a, a crisis. This is a, this is a moment of reflection here, you know? You know, when does one get to that point? When does one reach that threshold of enough is enough? Am I getting older to the point where I feel completely out of touch? I mean, I don't know, maybe sometimes, you know? I mean, the Grammys just happened and I actually knew some of the people that were playing at the Grammys. So I feel like I'm quasi in touch. I have a finger, not on the pulse, but maybe somewhere along one of the veins of, of somebody's like inner thigh, you know, gently stroking that inner, that, that, that side vein you know, creeping up into the inner thigh next to the scrotum. And St. Vincent, of all people, had a performance. And I was like, oh, St. Vincent, I fucking love St. Vincent. You know what I mean? Brandy Carlisle was up in the mix. 
I mean, I know who these people are. And like, then I'm like, oh shit, Willie Nelson, you know, like, of course I know who Willie Nelson is, but I'm like just an older guy who just knows Willie Nelson. And I'm not an old man. Let's face it. Let's pause there. I'm not an old man. I'm 36. I'm in my prime. You know, I don't feel like an old man to the point where I could say inappropriate things right now about other things. I'm sure you know what I'm thinking. And somebody could be like, he should not be saying those things. But to me, I don't feel like it would be inappropriate for me to say such things. Like, I'm, I'm not so old that I, the stuff that I like, everybody else should like, and that's it. You know what I mean? I can accept that there are things out there that I'm not going to like, and those are for other people. You know what I mean? People are going to keep making Fast and Furious movies. Those movies are never going to be for me. It's fine. I saw this trailer for a movie, right? It's called Yesterday, I think. And there's a guy, and he's, he gets into an accident on his bicycle. <laughs> And when he wakes up, no one around has heard of the Beatles. Like, nobody. No one's heard of the Beatles. No one's heard of a Beatles song. It's all just like, what? Who, who are the Beatles? And I guess the Beatles is like one of his favorite bands of all time. All the power in the world went out, and the next day, everybody just forgot who the Beatles were. So he goes on to, like, play Beatles songs for people, and they're like, holy shit. You know, that's amazing. You know, imagine somebody, like, waking up now in, like, 2019, playing Beatles songs for the first time, and nobody had ever heard them. And it's like changing the world, you know, and it's taking the world by storm. He's, he's playing shows, he's going on tour, and everyone's crowding around him, you know, and he's galvanizing the people, you know. And, and I'm thinking like, so this is the movie? Like, that's kind of, you know, it's kind of an interesting premise, you know, the idea that people could just fall asleep one day and then forget about a band. But why the Beatles? I mean, I know people like love the Beatles, you know what I'm saying? I mean, they're okay. You know, I mean, they were influential for a lot of reasons. They did what they had to do and they influenced other people and they changed the sound of rock and roll for a very long time to come. But let's face it, like, why? I, I want to watch a movie now where this guy's like just playing Beatles songs and then like, well, therein lies the rub. How far does one go into the wilderness before the moon starts chasing him? You know, you know, it was 65 degrees the other day. I, I, I did a two mile hike with my baby boy into the woods out by the lake. He tried to jump in. I, I turned him back around. He. He screamed bloody murder. We made it, though. Like, we did it. You know, and he passed out for, like, three hours later that day because I just exhausted him, which is what you kind of have to do with a two-year-old. You know, but now it's, like, you know, back down to 30 degrees, and the winds are blowing. It's howling outside the garage door. And I'm ready. Like, I'm ready for it to be done, you know? And, yes, I'm going to talk about Alita Battle Angel. Don't worry. I'm going to. But before I get into that, i got to talk about Umbrella Academy. And before I get into that... I just want to talk about some other shit that I have watched, you know? Like, what have I watched? You know, I'm talking about all this shit that I haven't watched. Like, well, what have you watched? Well, I watched Watership Down, that four-episode miniseries guy. I had, like, James McAvoy, Ben Kingsley, Nicholas Holt. Great voice acting. Animation, not so much. But if anybody remembers the old cartoon from the 80s, it was terrifying, you know? It's about a warren of rabbits, you know, on the run trying to find a new home. And along the way, they meet a suicidal cult of rabbits. They meet a deranged, like, seabird that helps them. They narrowly escape death from a farm at the hands of a shotgun-crazed farmer. You know, all of this is like an animated film. It was based off of a book. Can't remember the author's name. <sighs> Whoops. But the book was good, and the animated film was good. And I actually watched the animated movie when I was, like, seven traumatizing it was so creepy if you don't believe me just youtube that motherfucker watership down 1983 time frame and it's it was just good like even though the animation was kind of stilted so, so to speak like it didn't bother me it really didn't bother me like the story and the voice acting elevated the scenes enough that i was just like i was captivated by the performances 
And it's just such a moving story about mortality, you know, and, and freedom, you know, and just finding your own path, carving your own way, finding your niche, your niche, your niche. And, uh, oh yeah, John Boyega does a voice too. He voices Bigwig, and Bigwig was always one of my favorite characters. And, you know, I'm watching these rabbits, like, on the run, right? From these other rabbits, which, by the way, are very close to, like, like Nazi Gestapo rabbits, you know? And they're animated rabbits, for Christ's sake. But I genuinely care about the outcome of who's going to die and who's going to live, even though I kind of already knew the story from reading the books years ago and from watching the show years ago. I was enthralled, and I was, I was in it, you know? And I needed to see how it finished, you know? Hazel... And his brother, Fiverr, there's a scene at the end where Hazel just kind of, they all finally find their home. And Hazel, he's just old. He has his, he has his bunnies and his family and his mate. You know, because rabbits, they made for life. You know that, right? Yeah, it's fantastic. And he's just tired. He just goes to sleep. And then the black rabbit, which is like the, the soul in the afterlife, like the, the spiritual guru. The, uh, it's great because this collection of rabbits, they have their own religion, their own poetry, their own language, you know, their own, their own mythos, their own mythology. And the black rabbit is what you see when you die. And he see, there's a moment where he sees a black rabbit and she's like, are you ready to come home? And he goes, yeah, you know, I'm, I'd like that very much. And his brother Fiverr like saw it happening and he comes up to him and he says, hey, good night. I just want to say good night. And Hazel's like, what's wrong, Fiverr? I just wanted to say good night, Hazel. And he looks back before he runs off. He just looks at his brother one more time before sauntering down the hill. And it's a beautiful moment, you know, and I got a little weepy eyed, you know, because I cry like a bitch at this kind of shit. You know what I mean? And anytime something like that, I see anything like that on film now, you know, maybe it's from losing my sister, you know, years ago, but a lot of that, it just affects me. Um, and maybe I'm thinking more about that kind of shit now, especially as, as, as a papa, but yeah, just a lot of stuff going on, you know? And so I finished that. Like I, I hounded through that. I pushed on, you know, my other thinking is like, okay, so that, is that the kind of shit that I want to watch? Do I need to be enthralled? Do I need to be sucked into this deep melodramatic, taut, tight drama? I don't think so, because then I can go watch two hours of CGI and fucking robot fights and robot warriors and cyborgs with parts stripped away and made up cities floating in the sky and all that kind of shit. I'm going to get to that in a second, kids. But damn, you know, and maybe it's because I'm, I'm working a new job at the moon base that requires a little bit more scrutiny, a little bit more responsibility. And by the way, look, is it really that deep? You know, what we do on a daily basis. Like, is any of us listening to this podcast, does any of us work for the Pentagon? Are we, are we, are we, are we responsible for turning the keys, you know, to that nuclear ignition? I don't think so. Sometimes I go to work and I hear the shit that we're talking about and we're in these meetings and I'm at the moon base and we're all doing moon base stuff and it's important. It, it affects lives. I get it. But at the same time, like, what are we negotiating here? Sometimes I interrupt my boss and you would think that I just told her that like Optimus Prime himself is fighting the Decepticons outside, you know? Actually, no, you wouldn't think that because I would hope that she'd have a little bit more excitement. But when I just come by her desk to ask a question, it's like I'm interrupting Bible study. You know what I mean? And then we end up talking about the, the minutia of loading a printer, like with the paper, and it's like, what are we doing? That would be in the file. It is not in the file. It is not. And there's a guy that I work with, maybe I shouldn't even talk about this, but he, it's like he wants everyone to know he's in a band, you know? And he's an older guy. You know what I mean? If I'm an old guy, he's father time. But like he, nice enough guy, I guess. But he has like, he brought his bass into work one day. He's like, yeah, I play the bass on the train on the way in. It's just kind of a thing that I do. Zippity-doo, zippity-doo-da. Hey, you know, what kind of music do you play? You know, 
I guess somebody told him, they're like, oh, yeah, I think Nick plays in a band or something. And I might have mentioned it or something like that. But I don't even, I don't really talk about that kind of shit. Like, if somebody's talking about it and they ask, like, hey, do you play anything? I'll say something. But I never really ever bring it up. I'm never like, oh, you know, I play music. Because like, I don't really play, you know what I mean? And the bands that I've played in over the years, I never really played extensively. Like, we'd play shows, but then those those bands would either fizzle out or they wouldn't go anywhere. Or we'd or record some stuff. And that was really about it, you know? This guy has a screensaver, okay? On his work computer, his screensaver is a picture of, like, his band, I guess, like, playing some show out. And it's, like, and he's got his hair all, like, gel. That's the worst, too, with, like, an older guy, like, wears, like, the tight black denim, you know, the Affliction t-shirts. It's like, you, you're in your 50s. Don't do it. Like, you know what you should do when you're in your 50s? Just wear jeans and a flannel. Jeans and a flannel are eternal. You can never go wrong with jeans and a flannel. That's why Mike Watt still rocks it. And he's the fucking godfather of punk rock in the bass community. And he's the man with the plan with the bass in his hand. And he's still rocking. He still, by the way, tours in a van. No big deal. But he's like in his 50s, late 50s easily. You know, he's still fucking rocking. By the way, that's all he does is rock it and play shows all the fucking time in dives. You know what I mean? Like, so you just feel so compelled to like bring your bass in. Hey, everybody look at me. I'm playing a bass. And the screensaver, like, oh, the band, oh, no big deal. And he doesn't even, like, listen to music with headphones. That's another thing. He'll have the music at his, at his desktop, you know, but, like, loud for everybody to hear. And we don't have cubicles at this moon base. It's an open space uh, setup, you know, kind of like a feng shui. Hey, we just thought everybody should kind of get to know each other and be in each other's soup when they're working. Hey, what are you doing? I'm picking my nose. What are you doing? Jerking off. What are you doing? I'm rubbing one out, too. What are you doing? Hey, I was thinking about taking a nap in my cup, but never mind. And they're all from New York. <laughs> oh, it's so annoying. Fuck the Beatles and fuck old guys that feel the need to tell me that they're in a band every time they open their mouths. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, God. Oh, man. Umbrella Academy. Let's talk about Umbrella Academy. It's on Netflix, uh, and I'm about four episodes in. Now, the graphic novel was written by Gerard Way. I can't remember who drew it, but Gerard Way, whose name you might recognize from My Chemical Romance... Never liked the band, but he can write a good comic. Uh, synopsis would be there's 43 women across the globe. Randomly, they become pregnant and give birth to children. They were never pregnant before that. Just on one day, they just become pregnant and give birth immediately. Uh, what's his name? Hargraves, Colonel, Entrepreneur, Inventors, Baseman, Adventurer, uh, Colonel Hargraves or whatever, travels the world and he adopts said children but he only adopts like seven because he has to like pay these people and imagine showing up on someone's doorstep and saying may i have your child you know i imagine that's what he sounds like that's like how he kind of sounds in the show but that's kind of what i envisioned when i read the graphic novel years ago um and so he adopts some of the kids uh seven of them to be specific and when he adopts them we learned they have special special abilities special powers kind of like an x-men thing you know they're all living in the mansion they're kind of like a family. He raises them like they're his children. He's not exactly like the warmest of warmies, you know? Because it's it's a dysfunctional family, you know? But ultimately, in the in the graphic novel, at least in the first volume, they have to come together to solve a mystery of one of the brothers' death. <laughs> and there's an overlooming uh, threat of a tremendous apocalypse, you know, on the horizon as well. So that's... That's kind of the overall gist of the first volume. But there's also like one of the siblings turns out to be a villain. And they're like, oh my God, wait, it's you? 
ching spoilers. You know what I mean? And I and we, I haven't gotten that far in the show yet, but we haven't seen much of that yet. They've touched on on the death of one of the brothers because uh, there's three brothers and two sisters, so there's five hanging out. One's dead. Is that right? You know, it's kind of hard to do a show solo when you don't have another person. You know, because I have my notes in front of me, but if something fucks up, I gotta stall. I gotta just look up, look off the top of my and what the fuck is happening with this thing? Like I click on a link and it takes me to ISIS. Like what's happening? Anyway, oh my god, umbrella, 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 umbrella. Jesus, I can't type. But yeah, there, look, there's so many fascinating characters in the, in the in the graphic novel. The show does a pretty good job so far, anyway, of kind of capturing the 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 essence of most of the characters from the comics. Um, so if you like dysfunctional families, if you like shows about dysfunctional families, but you also like shows about superheroes, this show is definitely for you because this family does not get along. Okay, they show us some flashbacks of the, of the of the kids growing up in the house, fighting crimes, going out on adventures, you know, foiling bank robberies. But ultimately, they all have a little bit of daddy issues and some mommy issues because their mom, of course, is an android. Okay, Umbrella Academy, American Comic, yeah, created by Gerard Way. Oh, illustrated by Gabriel Ba. First six-issue limited series, The Umbrella Academy Apocalypse Suite, was released by Dark Horse Comics in September of 2007 and February 20 of 2008. Uh, it won an Eisner Award. Sir Reginald Hargraves. Okay, Sir Reginald. So not Colonel. Sir. Um, so you had Space Boy, you had the Kraken, the Rumor, the Seance, the Boy, the Horror, the White Violin. So Seance was is, is Klaus in, in the show. He talks to dead people, okay? The Boy is... Number five, who can travel through time and space. And in the show, he actually goes forward into the future. He's the one that actually sees the apocalypse. And then the Kraken is Ben. He dies. We don't really know how. I can't really remember how he died in the comic, but they explain that later on. And I'm hoping we get to see that later in the show as well. However, the seance, Klaus, he can actually see him. Space Boy is Luther. He's number one. He's giant. He's huge. He's massive. Superhuman strength. And he uh, was living on the moon at the time of his father's death. Oh, by the way, yeah. The dad dies, kids. The dad dies. Hargraves dies, and that's the whole reason why all the kids come together in the first place. They all have to come together and ultimately stop the world from ending. But before they can do that, they have to come to terms with their father's death, come to terms with their daddy and mommy issues, and get along with each other, come to terms with each other, you know, come to, come to terms with their own insecurities, their own sibling rivalries. The rumor, all she has to do is say, I heard a rumor, and she can make you do whatever she wants you to do. You know, I heard a rumor that you wanted to beat your dick like it owed you money and you're gonna beat your dick like it owed you money you know the seance i already mentioned klaus the boy number five he went to the future to see the aforementioned apocalypse and there he is in the future he comes back to the past to try to stop it warn the others but he's kind of fucked up too and they're doing a pretty good job of capturing that i would say that the show is doing a much more involved take on the dysfunction of the family in terms of breaking it down um and also touching with the flashbacks and stuff like that because the comic there's still a lot of kind of light moments in the comic to kind of remind you that it's a comic book, whereas the show, it, t- it tends to have a darker kind of feel. And that's not bad. It's okay. I like it. Uh, Ellen Page is in the show, guys. Now, she, I believe she's going to play the white violin. And if you read the comic, you'll know who that is. If you haven't read the comic, don't worry about it. But she plays violin in the show. Like I said, I'm only four episodes deep. But uh, right now, she doesn't have any powers. But guess what, kids? When she stops taking those meds, we got to watch out. Look, the show is good. It's really good so far. So if you haven't watched it, watch that. If you haven't watched Watership Down, watch the fuck out of that. It'll make you cry. If it doesn't make you cry, then email us at comiccons.podcast at gmail.com. 
or just call the show, you know, call the show and tell me, tell us how much, how much you didn't cry when you watch Watership Down. Because I don't give a fuck. I mean, I cried. I mean, I didn't weep, but I felt little tears in the corner of my eye, you know, it didn't roll down, but I felt it well up a little bit, you know, and there ain't nothing wrong with that, you know, nothing wrong with a grown man shedding a little tear. I mean, if you think there's something wrong with that, then you can call the show at 571-336-2662 and leave us a voicemail, okay? Speaking of voicemails, we're going to play one right now before we jump into Alita Battle Angel, because that's what we do on this show. We play voicemails from time to time, okay? And I got a funny one the other day, and I just thought it'd be fun to play it. Longtime listener and friend of the show. Here you go. Hey, just calling to find out... Uh what Nick got James Powell for Valentine's Day, since we all know you guys are in love with each other. Anyways, appreciate sure. it. Keep up the good work. Bye. All right. Well, hey, thanks for the call. Thanks for the voicemail. So as everybody knows, we just had a Valentine's Day recently, uh, last week or so, and I actually had a nice evening out with my lady, you know? We didn't go out on Valentine's Day evening. I got her a heart-shaped pizza, and then the next night, I took her out to dinner had a nice a Japanese steak at our house. We had a nice evening. It was good. And then I dropped her off. I tucked my baby boy in. We said goodnight to the babysitters. And I went off and I saw Alita. I did not get anything for James Powell because James Powell couldn't make it down for Alita. And he hasn't been down in the garage in a few weeks. And maybe when I see him again, I'll, I'll jump up in his arms and wrap my legs around him. And he'll hurl me in the air and catch me and kiss me and thrill me and kill me. But in the meantime, I'm just going to rub him down when I see him with some oils, scented or unscented. And he's going to love it because we do love each other. We love each other the way men love the feel of a football or the, or the rain on the back of their ass. Hmm? Anyway, Alita, Battle Angel. I didn't know that this was based off an anime. I didn't know it was based off a manga before that. You know, it, I'm not surprised because I know James Cameron fucking loves the manga. He loved them Japanese girls, you know? But for, for some reason, I just didn't know that. I went into this completely blind, not knowing a thing about it, barely saw any trailers, and you know what? It was a pleasant surprise. This thing, cinematically, visually, is one of the most stunning films I've seen of the year. I know we're early in the year, but I'll say it, you know? Special effects were fantastic. You know, you had James Cameron producing, you know? Robert Rodriguez directing. So... Two minds, two separate wheelhouses, combining forces, you know, like the world of Sin City combining with the world of Avatar, you know, and a little bit of Terminator 2 kind of tech, you know. And it had, from what I understand, a lot of the vision of the comic or the manga. And from what I also understand, it also did a lot more service to the characters in the film than, say, the anime adaptation did. And that's a good thing, too, you know. So not many adaptations do that, you know, like Ghost in the Shell apparently didn't. I can't remember the animated film. I don't think I ever saw it. If I did, it was in a flu-induced dream. But I didn't really care for it. I didn't care for the movie either. Although, you know, I didn't. I wasn't freaking out to ScarJo's cast, but I just didn't care for the overall performance. But in this, everybody is performing the fuck out of their roles. Like, everybody's acting the shit out of this movie. There's a couple stale lines from some of the side would-be villains, like some of the thugs, some of the weird cyber... There's, like, cybernetic mesh robots, because in this movie, it's all people with robot parts pretty much you know fighting each other uh and some of those performances were kind of i don't know stilted <laughs> but at the same time overall everybody knocked it out of the park 
Uh, the year is 25-something. We're in the 26th century. 300 years after some weird war with Mars, the people of Mars and the moon or something like that. And there were these like cities in the sky and like those aforementioned armies were like trying to take down those cities. And Zalem is like the last standing floating city right now above the Iron City where all the, uh, the robot ball and robot war games are held and where everybody's just clamoring to get to the top of the scrap pile by, by selling their parts on their robots or, their, or themselves, I should say. Dr. Ito uh, is played by Christoph Waltz, and he finds Alita's uh, ravaged remains in a scrap pile and it attempts to build her, rebuild her with parts left from his dead daughter. Now, parts not from his dead daughter, but parts that were meant for his dead daughter because she was uh, paraplegic of some kind or couldn't walk. And he was going to use a bo- make a body for her to walk again, but she was brutally murdered. And he decides to make a new body for said Alita and um, raise her like she was his own. Um, she's completely new, doesn't remember a thing about her past, but she starts to get glimpses. She's naive, she's cheerful, but her body kind of knows, her core knows that there's something else amiss. There's something else from her past that she can't, she can't quite put her finger on. And when she gets pushed into a corner or her buttons are pressed inexplicably the wrong way she fucks people up you know like you can't fuck with her um and she's hot i'll just say it she's played by rosa uh, salazar who i never saw coming you know i remember her from parenthood of all things guilty pleasure and uh and she was in that bird box movie recently i can't remember what else she was from apparently she was in maze runner never saw him don't give a shit uh but she's fantastic you know uh let's see Jennifer Connelly shows up as, as uh, Dr. Ito's ex-wife, you know, and she's in mourning as well because they lost her daughter. Uh, but she went off under the, under the guidance of Vector, who's, who's a horrible man. He just wants to scrap all the fucking people and sell their parts to Zalem for money. All the while, he works for another guy who's even more sinister, and we only get glimpses of him. His name is Nova, and we see him at the very end of the movie. Spoiler kids, it's Edward Norton. Uh, Jackie Earl Haley is in it. He does a phenomenal voice talent as, I don't know, Ginsu Man. This fucking ridiculous looking like, <laughs> it's like Goldberg or St- uh, 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 Steve Austin in a fucking like mech suit with all these like dangling like Ginsu knives for fingers. Look, this movie looks ridiculous on paper. I mean, the, the way I'm describing it, it probably sounds horrible, but it's actually good. Like, it's actually good. You know, the, the, the exposition is great because we all see the world through through Alita's eyes. She wakes up and we're just introduced to this world. And Dr. Ito has to explain who's who. He has to explain the, the who the centurions are and what they're doing uh, guarding the city. And then she has to introduce him to Hugo, who is her love interest. And he's just a, he's a strapping young lad who's a scrapper and a fighter on the streets. Yeah, they fall in love, you know. But don't worry, he dies. <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was a fun time. It was a fun time. What I specifically liked about this movie was the action. The action was fantastic. The fight scenes, just the over, just the broad scale of it all. You know, uh, this movie's huge, and they don't waste any time. They jump right into it. You know, and I kind of like a movie where we don't have to force the exposition. It's kind of just natural. Like, oh, by the way, Alita's like, who's that? Oh, don't worry about that guy. He's an asshole. You know, what's that? Oh, it's the floating city in the, in the sky. It's all of them. Everybody's trying to go up there. You know. It's kind of like an Elysium thing where there's like a bottom, there's like a bottom tier people, group of people living below, you know, 
on the planet and they're all kind of poor and nobody really looks that although people looked pretty happy i i must say like for for a city where people are like scrambling around on on piles of junk like they had motorcycles and they had transportation people were eating like i saw people eating they had fresh fruit so that they weren't starving they didn't seem like they were starving like the movie didn't seem like they were all dying down there it wasn't quite like elysium it wasn't even like stallone's judge dread where everybody was just fucking struggling or even carl urban's dread where everybody's like in a fucking building doing meth or some new weird slow motion drug slow-mo it's called slow-mo rapid fire you know what I mean? They don't have to worry about Lena Headey. I just found out that's how you pronounce her name. Cersei from Game of Thrones. They don't have to worry about Lena Headey, you know, bossing them around with her scarred face saying, just throw them off the fucking roof. <laughs> There's a difference between not liking a brother and not giving a fuck when some flatfoot drops him off a roof. <sighs> They're going into the wilderness again. Uh, so it's a good movie. Um, some highlights would be the action... I like that we get pieces of her past, you know? I wish there was a little bit more to it, but I guess they're trying to do a sequel or they're hopeful that this movie will do so well that there's, it spawns a sequel and we'll see more of that. Um, I spoiled a lot already because I really don't give a fuck. It doesn't matter. Like, there's really no big twists or turns in this. She has a body. Then she finds out she has a whole another body. It's called a berserker suit, you know? And it's even more badass than her original suit. But Ido doesn't want to make monsters. He wants to kill monsters because at night he's a hunter-warrior, by the way. He's a doctor during the day, but at night he's a hunter-warrior killing all the monsters that are killing innocent people. And the monsters being just jacked up giant cybernetic people with half flesh and half robot arms and just weird. Like some some of them have wheels and they, they all play in this robot ball thing or they try to. They can test in this robot ball thing. It's kind of like motorball. I think it's called motorball and I'm just making the robot ball up. Um, but think James Kahn's movie. Uh, what was that? Murder Ball? Was it Murder Ball? I don't know. Think about that. Like they're all in like that weird like half pipe and they're just racing each other. You know, so it's kind of like cars, murder ball, Robocop, total recall. It's a lot of shit. It's a lot of movies in a blender. But those scenes were cool. You know, watching Alita fight, watching her do the splits. Like I said, she's hot. She's pretty hot. And don't worry, I looked up her age to make sure that. No one's going to come knocking on the door anytime soon. But uh, it is kind of weird because she's kind of a naive, youthful, like, girl. But she's a grown-ass woman. And towards the end of the film, like, she's a full-fledged, like, woman. She's a woman. You know? There's a scene where, like, the guy, one of the bad guys is taunting her. And right before she fucking kills him, he's taunting her like, you beg for mercy, beg for all the mercy. I think it's Jackie Earl Haley that's, like, doing it. He's like, beg for your mercy. God, I loved him in Watchmen when he was like, you don't seem to understand. I'm not in here with you. You're in here with me. Like, oh, God, it was so good. But he's like making her beg for mercy and she goes, fuck your mercy. Like right after she rips his fucking eye out. Oh, it's so good. Jeff Fahey has a cameo in this, kids, because why wouldn't he? It's a Robert Rodriguez film. Uh, who else is in this movie? Oh, Mahershala. Mahershala plays uh, Vector, the bad guy. Mahershala Ali. Damn. So we got three Academy Award winners in this movie. They must have all signed on because of James Cameron. No lie. James Cameron's producing a film? I'm in it. It's going to be just like Avatar. Sorry, kids. I don't think it will be. Sad to say, I don't know the box office numbers just yet, but I don't know if it's actually going to be that successful. I, I think this, something like this will do great overseas, 
But uh, my buddy and I, Buddy Hamilton, we saw the movie Friday night, 10 o'clock. We were the only dudes in the theater. The only dudes. Like during February, you, should, you would expect a movie like this to do really well because there's not a lot of other box office hits to compete with. But we were the only dudes. And I know we're in Fredericksburg. And I know that in a small town, you can't really gauge the numbers by something like that. Like maybe there was a bigger opening in like New York City or L.A. But uh, I don't know. Let's look this shit up. Like how, how well did this movie actually do? Okay. Alita. Alada. That's definitely not what I want to write. Alita. Why can't I type right now? Why is my phone? Alita Box Office. Now granted, it's Saturday when I'm recording this. Alita's Agita. I guess it's a clever way of saying it's not doing well or something. Production headed to 37 million over five days. Uh, When a studio or filmmaker builds a movie for north of 170 mil, the expectation is to soar the greatest heights at the box office in a passion project at the hands of James Cameron's producer. What studio wouldn't down on that, especially in an era starving for fresh franchises? So it's not enough to be considered excess of what they're saying. By money, the pick's five-day total per industry estimates this morning should reach 37.5 mil. Friday pulled in 7.5 and 8.7. I don't really know how they calculate that already. Like it's it's Saturday and they're already trying to predict how it's going to do by Monday. But either way, let's say it caps at like 40 million for the weekend. Not terrible, but the movie costs like 170 plus another 30 or 40 easily in like marketing and promotion. So you got to figure it has to surpass 200 mil to be a a critical success. Well, not a critical success, but a financial success. Critically, it's it's doing okay. I think it's got like 62% on Rotten Tomatoes. What what do I give it, you might ask? Well, (laughs) I thought you'd never ask. We have six beautiful ratings on this show when we rate our films. We have at the top of the heap, call it a work good, then movie theater good, home video good, catch it on cable good, sick with the flu good, and solitary confinement good. Kids, I rate this movie movie theater good. It's not call out of work good, but it's definitely movie theater good. Why is it movie theater good? Because you need to see this thing on a big screen. Now, if you have a nice, fancy fucking flat screen at home that's like 50, 60 inches, good for you. That's fantastic. But again, I saw this thing in 3D on the big screen, right up front and center, close, leaning up, looking up. And it was fantastic. I wish I had seen this thing on IMAX. Hindsight. Side note, I also wish I saw Ready Player One on the big screen. I think I actually saw it on my iPad. It was great. Um, But there's just certain things I think you need to see on the big screen. You know what I mean? And I was going into this thinking it might just be a giant pile of stinking dog shit, but it was still going to be visually interesting. And it's not only visually interesting, the story's good too. Like it is. It's simple. There's nothing complicated. Like I said, no twisty turnsies, titty twisties. You know what I'm saying? There's no benevolent clit rubs. There's no lambs to the slaughter. I got to turn my eyes. They kill a dog in this movie off screen. You don't even see it. It's fantastic. Love it. You know, so when you check yourself in, suspend the disbelief, get over the fact that yes, the main character is a girl and she has a love interest. So there's a little bit of that whole, you know, little mermaid thing going on where she just wants to meet her prince. You know what I mean? Turns out her prince is not what he seems. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, spoil, spoil. But that's okay because he dies. It's fantastic. I love it. When he fell, it was fantastic. He falls to his death. They try to go up to the city, the floating city in the sky. She tries to warn him, don't do it, whatever you, don't do it, Bruce. You know you can't do it. And he tries to do it. Like, no, I got it. Let me listen. Come on. If you go, we go. No, you don't. No. Just kidding. Sorry. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news. 
And that's it. That's a heap. That's a heap of talk for a podcast. Uh, that's all I got. Movie, theater, good. Go see it and go watch Watership Down. And if you haven't seen the new series because you don't want to see it because you can't get past the animation looking a little stilted, then go back and watch the original. And if you're confused about Umbrella Academy, if I gave a horrible, shoddy, all-over-the-place kind of recap vibe of the show so far, I'm not, not, it's not a full-fledged review because I haven't finished it. And I'll come back on the show when I finish the series and do a full-fledged review. Side note, I'll also review Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol also aired Friday on DC Universe. I didn't get a chance to watch the first episode, but I will. And I'll come back with a vengeance. And another thing I'm going to stop doing, I'm, I'm going to stop being so mean when, <laughs> when I'm driving. I mean, today I got behind somebody. They they stopped. We weren't at a stoplight or a stop sign. We were at the, one of those weird, like, triple junction turn things where there's a stop sign on the other side crossing streets. But where we were, it wasn't. And, like, it was nothing but a dead end in front of us. So she got to, she had to turn left. And she just stopped instead of just going with the flow of traffic. And I laid on my horn. And I was like, you know, what, what am I doing? You know, she's got kids in the back seat. They look up. They're terrified. I got my kid in the back seat. Like, what am I going to do, you know? Like, maybe she's just a confused mom. Maybe the kid's crying in the backseat. She's overwhelmed. we got to have a little bit more compassion for each other. And I need to start right here at home where the fire starts getting hotter and where the flowers start to bloom in the warm weather, where the kids outside are playing basketball and waking my son up during his nap and I want to murder all those kids, bury him deep in a ditch and let nobody know until I talk about it on the podcast and the cops find out. They're like, well, you said you were going to murder them on the podcast. I said, no, I was just talking. Whoever cut those kids up into pieces, that wasn't me. I just got to start start over, you know what I'm saying? Have compassion for your fellow man. But don't make a movie about a guy who who wakes up, he's, he, all of a sudden he's the only one who remembers the Beatles. Come on, man. And it, by the way, it's directed by Danny Boyle. I was like, oh, the new Danny Boyle movie. I'll, I'll check out the trailer. I mean, he's the guy that gave us 28 Days Later. You know, Slumdog Millionaire. Sunshine. You know? If you haven't seen Sunshine, it's a fantastic sci-fi movie. I own it. I'll let you borrow. Just email me at comiconspodcast.gmail.com. I'll give you the DVD because I'm an old soul. <sighs> so much going on. Maybe I do have ADD. I can't seem to stay focused even when I do this thing. I don't really do the solo ones that much anymore. So when now when I'm doing them, it's like I get a little, get a little lost. All I know is I feel good. I feel pretty good. I had a great day off with my son the other day. I love seeing him grow into a full-fledged boy. You know, just mischievous and not listening and saying no to me. <laughs> it's fantastic. And I love them. I love every every moment of it. So I encourage you all to embrace those moments yourselves, you know, and have a good time with your friends and your family and love each other and be good to each other. And don't listen to the cynics, you know, like me, you know. If a guy wants to make a movie about it, another guy who wakes up and he's the only one who uh, who remembers the Beatles and he plays Beatles songs and becomes famous, and basically he becomes famous, famous off plagiarism. Then like that's his that's his mo, you know. You know, and maybe Rebel Wilson is funny to some people. Maybe Ellen Page isn't annoying. I went through this whole phase where I was like, Ellen Page sucks, but she's in this show, and she's not that bad. It's fine. Like she she's supposed to kind of be annoying, I think. But it is funny because she's so blatantly lesbian in everything. Just in life, you know? Like, she's so, like, she's so, like, I'm a lesbian and you need to know. You know what I mean? So, like, and that's, we get it. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I guess I'm kind of the same way. I love Zatanna. She's a cartoon. I think she's hot. 
and I would have sex with her. If I was also a cartoon and not married. No? I don't know. Uppity nerds, unite. Remember at the end of the day, if anything I said on this show was offensive or caused any kind of alarm, or maybe you just listened to this episode and you were like, what the fuck was that all about? He was all over the place. He was all over the map. Just remember at the end of the day, whatever I say, it doesn't really matter. You know, does anybody even listen to this show? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe I should do more of these more often. You know, what do you, what do you guys think? You guys think I should do more of these solo guys more often where I'm just ranting? You tell me. Email us. Send us some feedback. Call us at the number. You guys want the number again? 571-336-2662. Leave a voicemail. Rat-a-tat-tat. And uh, tell us how you feel. Thanks for the reviews. Please rate and view us on iTunes. Find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Facebook.com slash Comic-Cons Podcast, and of course, Comic-Cons As always, it's been nice. It's been good. And by the way, glass is not better than Infinity War, okay? I'm sorry. It's not. Nope, it's not. You know why? Because Infinity War had me fucking stoked. And Glass was good. It was a good, solid movie. But Infinity War had me fucking stoked. So fucking good. Thanks for letting me rant. Thanks for listening to my rants. Love you guys. Appreciate you. Don't take it seriously. It's just things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul.